General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We're here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission by God to make disciples of all nations and preach the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Danny Donovan, President of General Baptist Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Doing Together. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so that your church can fulfill its calling. This is the 15th episode of the podcast, and it is the last one that we have planned as part of Season 1. However, we will be having several more bonus episodes throughout the summer months, so watch for those. But we wanted to end this first season by talking about something that is deep in our hearts here at General Baptist Ministries, the life of the pastor and the life of the pastoral family in ministry. Those who respond to the call to ministry and help lead local churches are worthy of double honor, and their families often shoulder the burden right alongside the pastor. We love pastors, and we give thanks to God for them but we also want pastors to know that they are never alone. One way to be reminded of that truth is simply to listen to the stories of other pastors as they live life in the fishbowl of ministry. So in this episode, Vice President for National Missions, Vince Daniel, a pastor of a local church himself, sat down with Paula and Charles Richardson to talk about life and family and ministry. Charles is the lead pastor of Hits Chapel General Baptist Church in Piggott, Arkansas. Hey, everybody. This is Vince Daniel, Vice President of National Missions with General Baptist Ministries. And uh, I am joined today on this episode of Doing Together with Charles Richardson and his wife, Ms. Paula Richardson. And they are the pastors of Hits Chapel. And we are so excited to have you guys here uh, on this episode. And what we're going to be talking about today and what I'd like to kind of dive into you two with just as, as a pastor's family, as a ministry family within the General Baptist it's just simply that. What what does it look like for you guys to be a ministry family? I think it's different in every context, no matter where you're at. And so if you're listening today, uh, this episode may resonate with you, but you may also be listening and go, man, my journey has been very different. I think the encouraging thing is that we're all on a journey and it's oftentimes good to hear how other people are walking through it. So uh, Charles, Paula, if you guys would just take a few minutes and and maybe give us a Give us the cliff notes of, of how you all started, how long you've been in ministry, um, your family, uh, those kind of things. And, and I'll just turn it over and let you guys talk for a little bit. Well, first of all, thanks a lot, Vince, for having us on. We appreciate it. It's a great opportunity and uh, it's a great pri- privilege to get to be a part of the Doing Together podcast. So uh, Paul and I have been in ministry about 30 years back to this well, I guess this will be 29 years this fall. Uh, we've been married 30 years this fall. Uh, we've been at this church at Hitch Chapel for uh, 20 years uh, last fall, so we'll be working on 21 now. Um, we've got two sons, Annie and Jacob. They're both grown, they're both married, uh, and have daughters. Uh, Annie has two daughters. Annie and Lizzie have two daughters, and Jacob and Ashley have one and another one on the way. So that's our family, and uh, that's where, what we're doing right now. Uh, well, let me let uh, Paula say whatever she wants to say about that. How's that? Uh, I think he pretty pretty well hit it good, other than um, he didn't put enough emphasis on those grandbabies. 
There you uh, go. <laughs> those grandbabies are, um, people always say that, you know, your life changes when you have the grandbabies. And I thought, ah, oh, no, it'll just go on. But they're right, it does. Uh, they're yeah. wonderful. And, uh, we still enjoy being around their parents, but we really enjoy being around those grandbabies. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, my, my daughter had our first grandchild last year. And so uh, I, I can relate to that, that uh, and especially granddaughters. Um, there's something about it. So <laughs> they're, they're sweet as sugar, let me tell you. <laughs> that's right that's right and they don't even know it yet that's the scary yes. thing <laughs> yes yes uh, well so, uh, so ministry ministry in general baptist churches let's you asked me about that uh one of the mm-hmm. things that makes us makes general baptist churches uh i don't know if unique is the right word really but by and large with the exception of the churches that we planted in recent decades most of them are small rural churches and small rural communities and and that has its own dynamic on a, on a number of levels. When I teach leadership class here at the church with leaders in the church, you know, we talk a lot about uh, the unique perspective of trying to lead in a small community where everybody knows everybody and in small yeah. churches in small communities, uh, again, where that's very, uh, it's a very intimate setting. And, you know, there's just not a lot of people, a lot of uh, the numbers are simply smaller. And so you have to lead. Uh, as raw and as uh, naked as you as you possibly can, so to speak, uh, meaning everybody knows everything about you. There is no hiding in the crowd. There is no self-appointed experts because somebody just showed up in town and said, hey, I'm an expert at this, that or the other. And because nobody knows you, you can be one. Not here. Uh, everybody knows everything about everyone. And so leadership really is, as Maxwell talks about so much, uh, it's influence. We talk a lot about it's got to be a pure influence, meaning it's an influence that you've earned like respect because uh, you you don't have a paycheck to leverage over folks uh, to get them to show up on time and to do what you've asked them to do here in the church. Uh, you, you don't have uh, anything to leverage other than your influence. And so the phrase I use with them all the time is uh, leaders or excuse me, influence is the only commodity I trade in. And so if I can't protect that commodity, then I don't have anything else to work with here. Meaning I can be an eloquent speaker. I can roll the words together well, but uh, you know, as well as I do, if my walk doesn't match my talk, then my words are empty. Nobody's paying attention. And here they know me well because uh, we work together. uh, Folks in the community, we live together. We, we do life together up close and personal. And so you're not going to fool anyone. Uh, So if you're not genuine, uh, then, uh, well, obviously, it's just not going to work. That, I think that that's the what you just said there, that closing statement of that, that genuineness or that authentic um, yeah. character slash integrity that especially in a smaller context. And, and, and I think no matter, you know, we, we are in a small town here in Mountain Home, too. And, and it's the same thing, especially you, you, you grow up in an area and you go to school in an area. Yeah. And they all know. You're not you're not going to get anything by on them, and so uh, I, I appreciate that perspective. And I think to encourage uh, our our GB pastors, um, here's the encouraging part: they all know you, you yeah, don't have yeah. to be anything different. Right. You don't have they, they they there's not an expectation for you to to become or to have all the answers now because you know 
sister Susan has known you since you were four years old and, and yeah, she right. doesn't expect she she wants you to follow the Lord. And so it's also an encouraging environment also at times when you're in that situation. Uh, I, I want to talk through just from because you just mentioned 29 years married. Is that right? What I heard. Mm-hmm. And then 20 years there yes. in ministry. And both your boys, Jacob and Enoch, they are, uh, are now they're serving, serving in the church. And so in some so capacity. Both, yes, both of our boys were, were fortunate in that. Uh, regard both of the boys went into ministry or felt called by the Lord to ministry. Uh, both are very different, Enoch, uh, musically inclined, and he is currently serving Pigott General Baptist Church as associate pastor of worship there, uh, heads up their media and, and those kind of things. And then Jacob just recently come on staff, he and Ashley with us, and they're heading up our children's church, among other things. And so uh, he is the associate pastor of family ministries here. And so uh, yeah, we're, we've got them close. We've got the grandkids close, and we're very fortunate in that regard. But the fact that they went into ministry, uh, while it makes you proud, obviously, uh, it scares you to death because mm. we've lived this now for, like I said, right at 30 years. And you do worry about the fishbowl a little bit and the pressure that, that comes with that. Uh, they've grown up in it. They know what that is. Uh, Paul and I were talking about this uh, yesterday in preparation for this today that, uh, well, I guess we just we began to recount and remember. We worried that the boys would feel pressure uh, in their teenage years, especially as they were getting out and running around. Feel the pressure of making sure they didn't disappoint mom and dad is one thing, but to make sure that they don't ruin dad's career and getting fired, right, in a small town. If they go out and do something they shouldn't do, and, you know, kids are kids and teenagers are teenagers, but they had that that extra worry. And we went out of our way to make sure we never said anything like that to them. In fact, the boys and I would have very direct conversations about, about that very thing that I did not expect them to, to protect me and my reputation. I wanted them to uh, protect their own and build their own. And we talked a lot about integrity and, and that you need to be uh, the representative of Christ that you need to be uh, regardless of what your dad does for a living. Uh, you don't, that's not a burden I want you to bear. Uh, and that's a, that's a tightrope. I mean, you can say all that, but they were mature young men and they knew the reality of things as well. And so we were fortunate uh, and both those boys made us look like a lot better parents than we really were. <laughs> we're fortunate in that regard. Uh, and uh, we, we were fortunate that they really didn't have too much trouble going through those uh, transitional years of teenage uh, life. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I was gonna kind of lean into that a little bit as as a parent, but also as a minister, and and you guys walking through this with your boys, and now seeing them grown and stepping into ministry positions, that it's it's almost just a different level of the fishbowl, you know, yes. to use that analogy for for our kids, um, and and a lot of it is, I would say maybe even all of it is unintentional on the mm-hmm. leader's part. We we don't ever expect our kids to be born and put them in a pressure situation or a, a Lynn situation, but it's just a reality of what it yes. is. So I appreciate so much you saying that those conversations and Paula, can you speak to that a little bit about, you know, I know Charles said he had conversations with the boys about that, but um, as, as a mom, were there moments that you, you felt like you needed to defend the boys when, you know, the, the pastor's kid comment come up? 
or were there moments where, you, where maybe you just didn't have those moments in, in your ministry there? Uh, well, we were very fortunate. I don't remember many of those moments, uh, but as a mom, you always do want to take defense. Um, but I think the just listening to the situations and uh, always helped me figure out that, you know, everybody's human. And uh, I always saw my boys, unfortunately, differently because I was a mom. But yeah. I know that they were not perfect. And so uh, they may have done things that, like I said, as a whole, uh, we never had to really worry about that because uh, most of the comments or anytime anybody talked to us about the preacher's kids, they were good preacher's kids. So yeah. um, it, uh, they, like I said, as Charles said, they have made us, they make us look much better parents than what we uh, are. <laughs> Yeah, and as I can say as a preacher's kid that my dad used to always say every story about a bad preacher's kid is usually because of a deacon's kid. Yeah, so, that was the line. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, and there are no deacons on this podcast today, so we can share that openly. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, do, I do think that's uh, something that as a pastor and as a dad, and I think for all of our pastors out there, um, there there's definitely an intentional approach you have to take with your kids. Um, I've even, and, and I think you have to give them space to, to be able mm -hmm. to talk freely about some of their struggles with the fishbowl or with, with the pressure that's there. Um, so I appreciate so much, Charles, you saying that you had really direct conversations of, you know, your, your expectations or maybe lack of expectations in a healthy way. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't need you to protect my reputation. I, I need you to build your reputation. That's, that's, right. that's a great, that's a great thought and great uh, word right there uh, for people listening. Uh, I know my son, you know, I have, we, me, Jennifer and I have six and one of my yeah. teenage sons caught me in the driveway one night and said, I don't need you to be my pastor. I just need you to be my dad. And yeah, no. man, that's a stop you in your tracks moment when, when this is <laughs> yeah. what we, when this is what we do. And so our first thoughts to counsel, our first thoughts to fix. And so yeah. I appreciate so much the wisdom and sharing that with your boys of, of not protecting yours, but creating their reputation. I think that's a great, great thought. You know, I'll well, say this too, Vince. Uh, one of the things the boys and I talked about, uh, and it was a learning curve for them as teenagers, but was the value of, of not responding. So I never heard much on our end. As Paula said, we were very fortunate here that we got a great, family uh, here and in our community and just never really had a lot of uh, talk about anything that the boys may have done or didn't do or whatever. But now the boys uh, living in that context of all their other teenage friends, whether, well, you know, teenagers are always looking for something to brag one another. about. And so being the preacher's kids, they got certain things and there were certain teachers at times that would kid them about things. Uh, if they weren't allowed to do this or weren't allowed to do that, uh, we we weren't excessively strict. I guess everybody thinks they're not, but uh, we were more strict than others uh, in the community. And so they would take some ribbing from different ones for that. Well, that's fine. And, and that's just life. But at their age, when they were teenagers, boy, they're sensitive like teenagers are. And they would come to me uh, personally, uh, quietly. They didn't want their mom to know because they didn't want to upset mom or something. Right. Say, you know, so-and-so saying this to me and I don't know what to do about that. And we had to have some really... Uh, frank conversations about what you believe about yourself and helping them come to grips with that and learning the value of silence because it's so 
tempting to engage, right? When most of the time, engagement, uh, well, it's like the old saying about stepping in a pile, right? All you're doing is stirring the stink. Most of the time, if you'll just step over that and act like it wasn't there, it'll go away and it'll be fine. Uh, the boys had to begin to learn that at a young age. And I, I still remember a couple of times specifically when they come to me and they were they were more mature than I realized they were. And they were disappointed and brokenhearted in some adults who had said some things to them. Yeah. Like you say, my first reaction was I wanted to counsel them. Well, number one, number two, I wanted to go to town and have right. a, a confrontation <laughs> with some adults. That's right. Little, little come to Jesus meeting with us. Yes, sir. That's right. Uh, and so we sat down and we talked about that together. And I talked to them about how I wanted to react. And they had already told me, you know, how they were reacting. And so it was really good because uh, at least in their eyes, we were having to learn that together. Now, I already knew what I wanted to do, but we had those conversations. And I talked to them about the reality of, you know, right now I've got to withhold as well because I want to go defend you and I can go defend my child and make this stand, right? And they would understand that. And we would talk about uh, self-discipline and really managing personalities and how what they do here will make more of an impression on that person who has said those things to them than, than anything else. In other words, your reaction is everything. As pastors, we know that. We preach that all the time. But yeah. that was living. And living it in a real-life way where they wanted to, to make a stand or somehow, or I wanted to make a stand. But going through that together... Uh, that was critical because we've had those conversations now since then as they're young adults, of course, and now they're learning those things again, but in a different context and starting all over again. I, I, I just think that was critical in their formation as believers and in the maturity uh, of, as believers. They had to learn it young, uh, unfortunately too young, uh, that adults, just because they go to church someplace, doesn't mean they're going to behave as Christians should behave all the time. Uh, right. And that was a hard lesson, but really, uh, looking back, it was great. It was a great lesson for them, and it really brought them, uh, matured them in a in a way that uh, I guess I didn't anticipate at the time. Yeah, I think you can definitely look and go. You know, you you can you can see now the deposits mm-hmm. made in your boys from both of you. I'm sure, uh, in in how they're living out. You know, and I'm even watching. I think it's. I think it's Jacob, right? I think he may be running for school board in the community right yeah, now. Sure is. is that right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and so I've I've been in, I've been enjoying kind of watching his approach to that oh, yeah. and right. his yeah. you know stand on integrity and this is who I am and I think I, I do think that there's so many of those lessons that they learn kind of walking through that ministry um, environment uh, that that you know I don't have to defend things I know are wrong because. If I'm living right, that's defense enough. And yes. so good, great, great on you guys for having the forethought to walk them through those things and and uh, have them mature in a way that's healthy for them, you know, and not have an expectation of them not to be kids. You know, my, my dad used to always tell me, he's like, as long as you don't carve your initials in the pew, I'm probably not going to get too bent out of shape. And so, uh, uh, and, and so I, I refrained from that in most all the churches yes. I've been in. So. Um, most of them. most most I want to be <laughs> honest um I want to talk through and, and we may spend some time on this because I do think that I'm, I'm finding out as I get older in ministry that my my network of encouragers uh my network of people that I can 
I guess maybe that I truly trust to speak into me as pastors to me um, is becoming more and more critical. But because I know, as you said this, as our churches are are in uh, in smaller contexts, smaller communities where where there may not be as much fellowship available. Um, how have you guys walked through ministry in regards to to that? Uh, what 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 are some of the key relationships that you've realized you have to have in walking through ministry? And and I'm curious from both of you because I think you know as pastors we we tend to we can connect pretty quickly. Pastors do. There's a there's a like a like mindedness. There's either like vision and and we can connect pretty quick. But also having a mother that was a pastor's wife and then having a wife that's walked through this and walks through this daily. I'm curious from you, Miss Paula, too, what what are some of the things that you've needed to put in your life just to be able to walk through ministry? What are some relationships you've needed in your life to be able to walk through it and know you have a safe place also to go? So from either one of you, either one can start on that. So go ahead, dear. Uh, well, I think the main thing is, you know, I have to have Christ, God in our lives um, because he is always going to be there no matter what. Because uh, as a minister's wife, sometimes uh, you feel like you go through things that you're just lonely at times. Uh, even though you have, a, you have a group of friends around you um, and most things you could talk to them about, there, with, but within the ministry, there's always some things that cannot be talked about. Um, I think having that relationship with Christ, number one, because you know, he's always going to. And then um, Charles and I talked about this, you know, really when it boils right down to it, you know, each other, we've got to have each other because um, we know we can confide into each other with anything uh, going on in personal lives, within the ministry, uh, within our children's lives, uh, even within our friends' lives, uh, but that it, sometimes we just can't share with the other friends or the other people in our church because uh, sensitive sensitivity. Um, but I think that right there, just, you know, for, number one, you know, relationship with Christ, number two, each other. And then I have had a few pastor wives that um, I know they would be there and they would have my back and they would um, help me in any way that I needed help in. And that's always assuring to know that there is somebody that you can go to that whatever you say to them is going to be there and they're going to encourage you because most of them that I can visit with have already been through that probably. Um, and so they have that experience and they always have some encouraging words for me. Great. And Charles, what about you? Well, just like you would probably expect uh, uh, other pastors, obviously, you know, like you said, we tend to connect. Uh, I was fortunate. Uh, I answered the call under a gentleman, brother Daryl Miller and, got really close to him during that time and Daryl and I still have this mentor kind of relationship he's he's my go-to guy if uh, uh in fact I talked to him this week about a situation here uh, I'll do that uh, the conversation has changed a little bit over the years it used to be I would call him uh what do I do what do I do what do I do you know right. just I'll tore up uh at least now I can say hey this is what I've got uh, how'd you do that and we begin to bounce ideas off one another and work some things together uh daryl is my my number one mentor now uh, like you say there's a network though the longer we're in this i mean 30 years my goodness you certainly make a lot of friends and connections and you just recognize that some people have 
strengths that you don't. And so maybe you called in specifically in certain or specific situations, obviously. Uh, I want to say something, though, like Paula talked about. The truth is, uh, and I think this is for most pastoral couples, there is just uh, uh, an immeasurable amount of strength that is drawn from one another. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul and I, when we started this road, uh, we're first generation in the ministry. I mean, we were both raised in church. I say first generation. Actually, her dad had started down the road of becoming a minister uh, with the Assembly of God when he passed away with a heart attack. But um, we didn't know this life other than what we had just uh, seen on the outside, looking into the fishbowl, right? Growing up in church, watching other ministers. When I felt the call to ministry, we were part of a singing group, a quartet, traveling and doing that. And, and that was our only ministry experience. And that's a very different thing than this, obviously. And we left that and begin to pick feelers out and pray about uh, where the Lord would have us to go. We served as an interim for a year or two and got our feet wet. And Daryl put us to work there in the church as a children's pastor. And But when we left and took our first church, we moved four hours away and uh, didn't know anybody, just went and started. And I tell you, your marriage will either survive it or it will not. Uh, and yeah. in our case, it, it deepened. Now it got, I don't know if she would want you to know it, but it got a little rough for a little while, uh, even between us. And I think looking back, a lot of that was was certainly my immaturity uh, just in life, just period, much less being immature in the ministry, young and arrogant and and all the things that we go through when we're first getting started. We're so confident. And we look back now and we say, my goodness, I don't know what we had to be confident about. We we were so so (laughs) crazy, but we sure acted like we knew everything. Uh, And that made life stressful for people around us well it also put a strain on our marriage and we had two brand new baby boys uh she was coming right off of uh, having them they were 13 months apart and so not a lot of rest for her body and then we we strike up and move four hours away and it's just us i mean her and i and two little babies and we're trying to forge relationships and i'm trying to lead this church and be a leader i don't even know what that means at that time uh and I can certainly see where a lot of young pastoral couples uh, don't survive the ministry, number one. And a lot of times their, men, their marriages don't survive as well. There's yeah. just a lot of uh, pressure we put on ourselves, wrongfully so, but we do that. And then our ignorance. And I don't know what to say about that other than I guess it's the tradition I grew up in. If somebody uh, come to the altar that morning and uh, in the morning service and declared, hey, I think God's called me to preach, there's a good chance the pastor's going to slap you in the back and say, well, be ready tonight, because that's how it started for a lot of us. Yeah. And we were also expected then also just to take a church and just jump off in the deep end of the pool and commence. And a lot of guys don't survive that. Uh, how in the world so many of us did down through the years, uh, I don't really know, but it uh, looks like some training would be better. And we've certainly gone down the road here with other folks, with our boys, trying to help them be prepared when they actually jump into the deep end of the pool. Uh, I guess that's just the way it was, uh, maybe from our generation and those before us. But we survived it. There was some rough years in there, but we come out of that. And I guess I just want to speak to that thing that uh, if you're a young pastor uh, with a young wife and a young family, 
your number one goal is to protect her and and that family unit you've got. Uh, I always tell young couples when they're here for premarital uh, counseling, God joined us, uh, or God made Adam, made Eve, excuse me, from one of Adam's ribs. We're joined uh, at the heart, and we are meant to protect one another's heart. He didn't take a bone from the foot or from the head. He took it from the rib. And the number one thing that happens when we get married is now I am a protector of her and she's a protector of me in ways that we don't always appreciate when we first get married. And then when you throw in this dynamic of uh, ministry and, and being the pastor in a small community where it's almost like being a, a, a coach in a small community on you know, win or get fired and move out. Uh, it can have that feel to it. And, uh, yeah. It, you need to invest in your wife and you need to invest in your children and you need to protect them above all else. The church is going to survive. It was surviving when you got there. It'll survive uh, past you. But your marriage, you get one shot at that and you need to value uh, the blessed gift that God has given you in a wife and children uh, above all else. And I think God honors that, by the way. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's such a great statement. And, and I think a great reminder for us as pastors, you know, and we we boy, we sometimes we we put pressure on us that ourselves that God never intended us to have. Absolutely. And and so. Uh, I think that, you know, the whole idea of uh, you guys, I'm sure have heard this where where that that toxic trait of allowing ministry to become your mistress where yes, you sir. where you spend all your time trying to succeed at something that God may have called you to. But but he didn't call you to win at it. He called you to be obedient in it. But the That's one it. thing that he's called you to that that has to be successful is your marriage. And yes. and your kids and and those the the real true way to that. So I, man, Charles, I appreciate that so much. As um, and and yes, there is different generation. I'm, uh, I think you and I are. Maybe, I think you. I think you got a few years on me, but I, I came <laughs> out of the, I came out of the same era. I I announced my yeah. call to preach at a Tuesday night revival, and six weeks later, I was a full time pastor. And yes, uh, yeah. I, I I still think I'm catching up. Uh, 20 years in all the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, and when I tell that to young pastors today, they're like, what? I'm like, (laughs) man, I said, I was raised. My dad always told me if you're called to preach, you have to preach. Yes. That's that's the only option on the table. And so, um, so I'm encouraged by your story that, that, yeah, you, you kind of jump in and you run, but I also think that's wise counsel. I, I tell young couples when I meet with them that, Man, if there's any way possible, you and your wife probably need to move away from your moms and dads yeah. for yes. at least a year. Uh, you know, just get a, go someplace and learn to love each other. Um, yeah. Learn to care for each other. Learn learn to depend only that's on the, one that's another. The word. To depend on yeah. one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I do think that, that in those formative first few years of marriage, if 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 I'd had if I'd had somebody else to turn to other than Jennifer we wouldn't be where we are now. And I think I just hearing you and Paula talk, yes. you know, both of you, the same answer that, man, we had each other. And yeah. so, and most of the time that's always enough, but sometimes it was the only thing that got that's us through. And yeah. so and I appreciate that. And that, that may lead into the next thing. Cause I think that uh, I want to kind of come to a close on this after this, but you know, 
we know a lot of pastors, especially over the last couple of years, um, has been, you know, I think uh, Barna's last report said that 40% of pastors are are either leaving the ministry or considering right. leaving the ministry yeah. just simply because of the trauma, tragedy that they've had to deal with. A lot of pastors have literally spent the last two years doing funerals um, yes. Yes. in their church, and it's it's discouraging. I want to ask you guys from a ministry standpoint, how, how do you walk through that when maybe you need pastored? And, and you said you have Brother Daryl, and I appreciate that so much. Uh, uh, Ms. Paula, from, from a pastor's wife standpoint, when, when there's been tragedy or when there's been trial or a season where it just gets, it's, it's heavy and, and you got a great husband, but, but I also know that sometimes you need you just need him to be your husband. How, how do you how do you guys walk through that in regards to needing a pastor? Sometimes people don't know where the pastor goes to get pastored. Right. You know, we, we we're supposed to just have it kind of locked in, like we go, you know, like the moment life happens, we go find a long, easy chair and read our Bible, and it's just all better. Um, but there's a reality side to that that sometimes life hurts us just like it hurts everybody else. And um, so I'm wondering just, have you guys walked through seasons like that where you either had somebody or maybe it was a season where you didn't have somebody and, you know, how'd, how'd you, how'd you walk through that? Well, uh, actually we have had those times recently. And I lost my mom in March. And I could not have went through it, first of all, with God, because there again, he is with me at all times. But Charles was right there by my side. Um, he did his pastoral duties. He'd done the funeral and everything for me, but he was also my husband and just a friend. And there when I needed, many times he could have been doing other things, but he was right there with me. And um, just one of those things, things in life you don't want to have to go through, but we all do go through it. And I could not have done it without him, uh, him and the, my family and actually our church family. Um, they were wonderful. There was always different ladies calling and checking on us and bringing food. And, and we would be, you know, no, you don't need to do that tonight. Yes, we're bringing it to you. You, you know, we're, we're bringing you supper. Um, and so, yes, each had not having each other and being so close and just knowing that regardless of what I wanted to say, um, I was feeling at the time. I know I could say it to him. and He was right there as a pastor if I needed him, but as my friend and confident and husband. Um, and it was just uh, good to have him <laughs> uh, because things would not have been as easy for me as they were. If he had not been there. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I'm so thankful that when you, when we walk through those seasons, I'm so glad you had, had somebody like Charles to be there with you. And uh, I, I think that I think they're just real moments for us as pastors. And, and I, I just want to make sure that when we do this, this podcast, as it goes out, I want pastors to know that there's not an expectation of, I don't know that there's always a perfect, I don't know that there's a perfect way to do it. And so yeah. whether it's, whether, like you said, Paula, it's that just hunkering down with the one, you know, is going to be there in Charles. And it's all honored that you have that, but for that pastor that's out there and 
they're just struggling with it right now. You know, they're, they're walking through that season and they don't know where to turn. They don't know. You know, that's one of the reasons I appreciate uh, Danny's vision so much for General Baptist that that we at the ministries we're building are we're for the church. We we want our pastors to be healthy. We want our pastors' wives to be healthy. We want to know want them to know that there's a place they can reach out to. Because so few have it. So few have it in ministry. So Charles, to you, maybe the same question when it's when it's been that season of I don't know what to do. You know, and, and maybe it's not just on a, a counseling issue or but you're 20 years you know, in the ministry there. Right. I know there's been seasons or days oh, when you've went, I don't know <laughs> if I can do this another day. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that could have been yesterday. Uh, I think yeah. for most of us as pastors, you it know, probably but, was. Yes. Uh, yeah. So what, what, where do you, where do you turn? What, what do you lean into in those moments? Well, uh, you're right. And I, I think the reality is, well, I'll say it's this, this way. It's been the reality for me. Uh, that's a pretty common state I find myself in. It's, Lord, what am I going to do? Uh, I, think, I think there's a misperception for uh, especially young guys getting started. If they see someone uh, who's been in maybe as long as I have or you have, Vince, and on the outside, they look at us. And they have this presumption that we've got it all together and that we've got this grand plan and that everything is working like it's supposed to work, you know, and they don't realize that we're just running around putting out fires like everybody else. Or I don't know about you, but that's I feel like I'm just living in a state of reaction all the time. It's not that I don't plan or try to make plans, but they're they're constantly busted. And uh, I think there's just a reality, as you mentioned, there is not a a set perfect, right, textbook way uh, to do ministry, to pastor a church. Every church is unique. Every community is unique. Every pastor is a missionary, uh, whether he realizes it or not, uh, where they're serving, because you got to learn that community. you got to learn the, the nuances of that culture there. And, and then you've got to try to minister inside of that. And that's a constant learning process. And depending on your personality, uh, Maybe it's a weekly thing that you think about going and digging ditches for a living and doing something else, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe you're more administrative. Maybe you're more uh, outgoing. Uh, I don't happen to be either one of those things. Uh, I would be happy to live in a cave and and just, you know, uh, almost like the old country song, the woman and the dog and me, right? Right. <laughs> uh, I, I could be that guy. And so when, when God called me to this job, uh, I remember that conversation well. I no thanks. I'm not interested. There's got to be somebody that wants to do that. I don't want to do that. And and I joke with my congregation from time to time. I still don't really want to do that, but I'm going to do that because it's I accepted that calling and I'm going to do what the Lord has me to do. But there's right. a reality in that. And I think again in our context, I can have those kind of conversations with with my friends here in the church, and and I think they get that. That because uh, yeah. they'll look at me and say, "Man, I don't want to do it." I'm glad you're doing it. You know, there's just a a, a lot hardness, but a reality that's there. And all of a sudden, now we're very real with one another, and we're able to just talk about the realities of the pressures of this job, just like every job's got its pressures. And I tell you, uh, we haven't talked much about it yet, but the friends you have within the church, I know that's a difficult uh, juggling act at times. Uh, a balance beam or uh, walking the wire or whatever you want to say there. 
you got to be very careful with that. I get that. But we have been blessed. We are so fortunate. We have got uh, some friends here within this congregation that we bonded with early on. That's not to say that we're, you know, we exclude anyone, obviously. But you just, you just uh, bond. That's, I don't know how to say that. With some people, yeah. you just, you just uh, match up well. And I, I tell you, that has been tremendous for us. We don't get to have all the uh, in-depth conversations that we need to have or would like to have with them because you just can't. But but we've been able to confide in them many times uh, in ways that have been very healthy for us uh, and just reside in their friendship and maybe uh, lean into that and hide in it for a day or two. You know, Paula just told you she lost her mother. The truth is there was a couple of months there where we went through this long drawn out thing where her stepdad was uh, diagnosed with terminal cancer and very quick. Uh, we ended up having to put them in a nursing home. Well, that in itself is a tremendous experience, obviously. Uh, Mom wasn't quite ready for it, but uh, stepdad had to go. Mom was beginning to have some uh, um, issues, maybe dementia or something. Weren't we didn't have them in the nursing home six days, and the stepdad suddenly unexpectedly died. And now we've got mom, and we've got to do something with her, and her losing him swung her dimension or whatever it was into uh, a much more brutal level than than we expected. Uh, she she stopped eating, and you know we then managed her and had to suddenly manage their affairs, you know, and all the bills that were left unpaid, or you know, it's all the things when someone dies especially quickly yeah. and unexpectedly. Now, she had siblings, and so it's not like it was just on us. There was a, a great team effort there. But that was a long couple of months, and then her mother died at the end of that as a result of these uh, just simply not eating with this dementia or whatever it was. And it was just a, a horrible couple of months, especially on Paula. Just, you know, every day was was just another round of bad, worse news. Nothing ever got better. It only got worse. And you talk about needing friends to just to just say, hey, we're here and we know what's happening. We're aware of it. Uh, we love you. We're going to do anything you need us to do. And, and there wasn't anything particular they could do. But boy, it meant a lot just to have, yeah. have someone say to us. We say that to people all the time as part of our job. And I know a lot of people think that we're paid to go around telling people that. Uh, right. but, <laughs> but when someone says it back to you and you know they mean it. And as she said, they start showing up with food and just doing things just because uh, I don't know that I can place a value on that. I don't know how to even begin to try to uh, put one to it. it. It was invaluable to us and yeah. because ministry is lonely. Uh, leadership is lonely. Uh, that's just the way it is. And or there's a level of that that you just can't get away from. And so to have those friends that uh, are friends not just friendly people but friends uh, that's a rare thing I think for ministers in the in their own church um, it may just be a rare thing for ministers in general I don't know uh, yeah. it has been in our lives anyway so uh, I, I, I hear the question you're asking what do ministers do uh, especially these young guys when they find themselves in these seasons of life you've got to find if you don't already have friends in the church that you've 
been able to bond with, you've got to call another pastor. You say, but I don't know anybody that close where you, you need to. You just call them and you pour your heart out to them because they've been there, they've done it, and they're going to hear it and they're going to minister to your needs. And you may form a friendship that you didn't see was coming. But, but the thing about being in this job, you've got to be proactive in doing that. No one, uh, every other minister you know, he's taking care of his, his world. And so you just got to call him up and, and he'll understand. Yeah. If you don't have one, you just got to call one and get started. Yeah. Um, I've, I've appreciated the Barnabas program. I've been fortunate to be a part of that now for uh, since its inception. There is value in that, that network, uh, that concept. I know we, we need to work on improving how we do some of those things. But my goodness, uh, the value of what's happening there, those yeah. intentional uh, efforts to make sure that pastors are connected. You know, I think maybe we just take some of that for granted. We presume that we're connected and that we're all just going to lean on one another, but that doesn't happen uh, by accident. You've got to be intentional. Uh, I've enjoyed that element of being in the Barnabas program so that now those guys call me, uh, you know, because they're going through a season of life and they just need maybe nothing just to be able to say it out loud to somebody else. Maybe they don't need me to say anything. But that's such a value them uh, because I've been where they are uh, and it's been a value to me. Yeah. I think what you said, though, is, is really critical. And I, I think it doesn't matter whether you're in a church and you're pastoring 15 people or you're in a church and you're pastoring 1,500 people. That's right. That seat that you sit in is only yours. And, that's it. And that that weight is still the same and so i think it's really really critical i appreciate so much spala thank you so much for just uh, sharing what you walked through that season that you went through um i want to i want to go ahead and i think we're we're to our to our time limit here but i want to i want to pray for you guys if i can and just pray for our pastors out there i think that you know if i was going to throw some takeaways in at the end um you know it It'd be something that's not, it's not new, but find people, you know, lean into them. But also I think what you just said, Charles, be be somebody also that's pouring into other people, those young pastors that, you know, if you're listening and you are a young pastor, man, find, find one of those, one of those people in your church and, and just allow them to love you because there's somebody in your church that just, just simply wants to love you and, and allow them to. But also, if you're listening this this to this, and and you're a pastor that's more seasoned, you you've got some some years under your belt, uh, and give it away, hand it yeah. off to a young guy, and and pour into them and love them and encourage them because we're all in those seasons, and 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 if we're not in one, it's probably just around the corner. Uh, in all reality, so uh, let me pray for you guys. Thank you so much for investing and doing together. Thank you for investing not only in your church, but in the denomination as a whole. Um, I know, you know, I know you've done mission trips. I know you've done, you've served in different capacities in the denomination and, and it just matters. Uh, we, we talk about, we, you know, doing more together than we can do alone. And I think, uh, it's because of families and pastors and pastors, wives like this, that, that allow us to do that, that we go further faster because we go together. And Absolutely. so I, I want to just say thank you guys for that. Thank you for your ministry. Uh, at Hits, thank you for your boys and, and training them up so that they would seek God and seek ministry opportunities. Um, and obviously, uh, thank God for grandbabies. 
uh, and all that all that they bring to the table uh, for encouragement. But let me pray for you guys, and we'll close out today. God, uh, I just thank you for Charles and Paula. God, I thank you that you have been faithful. Over 20 years of ministry, God, you've been faithful and you've walked beside them uh, and, and not only their marriage as they as they've come together and grown together. And and Lord, even had to just, as we said, depend on each other to make it through this time in their life. But Lord, I, I, I ask that you bless their home, bless their ministries. Lord, if they put their hand to it, I pray your favor would be upon it. Uh, protect their kids. Uh, Lord, their daughter-in-laws, God, protect their grandbabies, God, protect their legacy as, as it goes out before them. You know, Lord, I, I love the passage that says, it's like arrows in the hands of a warrior, God, or a man and his children. And just, uh, I'm thankful that their quiver is full. And Lord, now with grandkids, it's running over. And I pray that uh, you just continue to bless them. But Lord, to each pastor, pastor's wife, lay person that's listening today, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would you would encourage them that they may be sitting in this season where they're looking around and they don't have anybody. Lord, I, I pray they just for for some reason, Lord, they'd reach out to Pastor Charles. They'd reach out to 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 me, uh, God. They'd reach out to somebody and go, I don't know what to do. And Lord, I pray there's somebody else on the other end of the line that says, Let me walk with you. God, teach us to walk together. Thank you for putting us together. Thank you for the kingdom. Thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice that he made. We'll give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for your time and uh, can't wait to see you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, Vince. Thank you. I want to thank Charles and Paula for joining Vince in this episode and sharing in this conversation with us. We are grateful for them, and we are grateful for all of the faithful pastors and families that lead churches because God has called them to do it. I want to challenge you to pray for the pastors that you know and give them a word of encouragement as often as you can. If you haven't already done so, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to access our content, and that way you also know when we drop bonus episodes this summer and you will know when season two will begin this fall. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you on the next season of Doing Together.